Dennis Quaid, the guy from um, Captain Ron, Field of Dreams, um, <laughs> and uh, what else? Dennis Quaid. I think you got the wrong Waterworld. You got the wrong thing. Um, yep. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, oh, damn it! I gotta pee now. Let me do that real quick. I'm sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. What else was he do in? That. He was in Escape from L.A., right? Yeah, I really loved him in Independence Day when he flew that fucking airplane into that tractor beam. Yeah, that, that was the coolest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> it was really good. It really was. Did you he guys ever see? Captain looks Ryan? right up, and he just says, "Bazinga!" <laughs> that really sucks. <laughs> That's where it came from. Right. Yeah. What yeah. other what other middle-aged white actors from the 90s we can name? Let's see. Male actors, obviously. Ah, man, that was good. Bazinga. <laughs> I need to see that edit. <laughs> it's just Dennis Quaid in the in the uh, in the uh, whatever it is, the I'm gonna make up some airplane name that the the Tomcat, yeah, the, the F fifty seven Tomcat, yep, the and he's boy. just in there and he's just Bazinga! the F one fifty four fifty seven you really. you alien some bitches I got one thing to say to you Bazinga! Right. <laughs> you guys ready. Yeah, we're talking about uh, talking about uh, Kurt Russell or whatever his name is. Ugh. Yeah, Matthew. Oh, you mean Dennis Quaid? Huh? Yes, you mean Dennis Quaid? Yeah, the guy from Field of Dreams. Yeah, um, I'm ready to go. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Jason. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's back. And tonight we are talking about the spoopy movie, mm. Pandora. Oh, I'm so spooked. It's so spoopy. Uh, Pandorum is from uh, 2009. Uh, it is directed by Christian Elvert and written by Travis Malloy. Sorry, it's a UK film, so I'm trying to do it as UK as I can. Christian Melvert and Travis Malloy. Is it a UK film? I believe so, right? It was made in the UK. Features all American actors. Music by all American rejects. <laughs> you don't know that. Okay. Um, uh, fun fact, guys, it was produced by Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm. Could you tell? Mm. Yes, Could it was. Could you tell? Mm. Yes, it was. <clears throat> Could you tell? Okay, um, it is starring Dennis Quaid, Ben Foster, Cam Gigandit. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> his name. Uh, giant Dick. Um, vampire from Cam, Twilight. Cam Gigandit. 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 Gigantic. Gigantic. All right. Uh, Remix that. Uh, Anchi Trow. She's uh, 
German. Uh, Kung Lei and Eddie Rouse. The budget, in case anyone was curious, was $33 million. And the box office was a whopping $20.6 million. Oh, mm. I hate to see it. Does that include Saturdays on the Sci-Fi Channel, though? Like, does that include that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this actually uh, kind of had most of its run on Netflix, didn't it? Post box office. Maybe. I- I'm pretty sure this lived on Netflix for a long time. So. It was definitely kind of gained a second life on streaming for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I believe it. I think it probably wasn't either a Netflix or a Prime uh, film. <laughs> Well, I just remember for years, like, I should watch Pandora. And then I, like, read the synopsis. I'm like, I don't know if I'm feeling that right now. We'll go back to it later. <laughs> and that went on for years. <laughs> and here we are in 2021, and I finally had to watch it. To, uh... Well, I was, I was excited about it. I was like, finally, I get to watch Pandora. I have a reason to watch it, you know? It worked. It worked. Okay. Now, before we get too deep into it, I'm going to. Do the synopsis. Wow. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah you boy hey, can Colin, sometimes. can you tell me what this movie is about? I'm glad you asked. Poe might just be the laziest, clumsiest panda in the Valley of Peace, but he secretly dreams of becoming a kung fu legend. When the villainous snow leopard, Tai Lung, threatens Poe's homeland, the hapless panda is chosen to fulfill an ancient prophecy and defend the valley from attack. Training under Master Shifu, Poe embarks on an epic, high-kicking adventure as he sets out to thwart Tai Lung's evil plans. It's Kung Fu Panda. It's Kung Fu Panda. I was gonna say that sounds like a that sounds like a much better movie than the one I watched. Why didn't I watch that movie? Uh, you guys didn't watch Kung Fu Panda? Ah, uh, dude, yeah, it was Pandorum this week. Sorry, dude. <sighs> All right, Bill, tell us what this movie is actually about. Oh, I'm glad you asked, my friend. Astronauts Peyton, played by Dennis Quaid, and Bauer, Ben Foster, awake in hypersleep chambers with no memory of who they are or what their mission might be. While Peyton stays behind to monitor the radio transmitter, Bauer ventures out of the chamber into the seemingly abandoned spaceship. The men quickly realize that they are not alone and that the fate of mankind hinges on what they do next. It's Pandora! It's Kung Fu Panda! Pandora! Kung Fu Pandora! Or as as I always like to look at uh, Pandora, it's like the pitch meeting is like, so you guys saw The Descent, right? (laughs) Oh yeah, I love that one. What what if that was in space? And someone's like, "Oh yeah, thirty-three million dollars. Hold there on, let go. me get my let me get my quill pen to write the check. <laughs> let me get my checkbook out. <laughs> who, who am I? Who am I? Uh, Wait, it's only thirty-three million dollars. Just make it yeah, just, cash. Yeah, if uh, it's thirty-three million, Paul, yeah, just give me a bic. It's fine. I'll just you want me to it. you want me to write this out for Paul W. S. Anderson, but your name is Christian. All right. Don't ask questions. Yeah. Yep. 
Paul W.S. Anderson just has like toilet paper, but it's it's checks. That's how he gets his checks from the bank. <laughs> it's toilet paper, but they're all it's, it's all legal tender of, checks. Yeah, the big roll of it. <laughs> yeah, just unrolls it out, fills out a, a check. He just goes, uh, Mila, will you please get the toilet paper? <laughs> There's a really good visual gag in The Simpsons that's generally the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Paul W. Sanderson? No. Well. It may, maybe, I don't know. Um, so now that we got through that, I, I just, I need to preface this. So this has been one of those, um, that I've been probably what in the four or five years we've been doing the podcast. I've always wanted to do this movie. Um, this is one of those movies where objectively it's not good, but (laughs) it is a guilty pleasure movie of mine. I love this movie. I do. I love it. So so it's literally just fits into that event horizon. Yes. 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 So, so I just want to drop any pretense of like, you know, the deep philosophical musings and whatnot that we uh, typically are known and loved for by uh, our legions of followers. Um, If you want that episode, then uh, our Dune episode, I believe was posted on Saturday. So please listen to that one instead. But I definitely, Uh, it's one of those films where I, I enjoyed it. I saw it um, not in theaters, but I saw it shortly after it came out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray in 2009. And I never have had anyone to talk to about it because no one's ever seen it. (laughs) So it's like me and I would always just say like, oh, Pandorum. And everyone's like, oh, Pandorum. Yeah, I I know about that one. That's that one with uh, Ben Foster and Dennis Quaid. I had never seen it. I'll just kind of pass that's it up on streaming. So that's why I added it when I, I kind of jumped at the opportunity just because now uh, at least three other people in the country, if not the world, have seen Pandorum. So, you know, we can talk about it. So do you think Dennis Quaid has seen Pandorum? Probably not. Honestly, yeah, that's it was paycheck. one set. That that's how they that's how they budgeted around it. They had one single set that he acted on, and they just got rid of all the shots in one day for him. And then that's uh, fantastic. And then Ben Foster was you know he was a little bit cheaper, so they could uh, put him on the real sets with the real action. So, man, I know we're gonna get a little bit further into it, but now that we're kind of just on the topic of Ben <laughs> and Foster being there, I don't know, and I could be wrong, but in my mind, Ben Foster is never main character energy. Never main character energy. I like Ben Foster. I like a lot of things he's been in, but for me, he's always well, like he's a, he's a really, he's a good nerd. actor. He he is, but he's I like three ten to Yuma is like peak Ben Foster. <laughs> that that's where uh, that's where I live with Ben Foster. You know, um, the the World of Warcraft movie. I can that's even like crazy out there, Ben Foster. But he's never main character, Ben Foster for me. Who so, does he play in is, World of Warcraft or the Warcraft movie? Uh, the crazy wizard that ends up being a dick. Medivh? Yeah, he's Medivh. What? Yeah. Alright. I thought he was the Warhammer of, uh, the Warhammer <laughs> of, of Ang- was, Angmar. I thought he was the Warhammer 40k. He was the Warhammer the of Angmar. Shield of, uh, oh, fuck, what was the... I thought he was the Flame of Udun. The f- Isn't that, uh... That's I thought things. he was the Udon Noodles. Yep. Um, <laughs> so okay. I feel yeah, and Ben Foster, I feel like he like is like not exactly a character actor, but kind of like has that 
aura of being a character actor like that you don't really see in a in a leading role like you said so i definitely understand where you come from that's um, yeah it's nothing against him like i mm-hmm. think he's great absolutely and i always forget that he was in x-men as uh, uh that angel character mm-hmm. angel yeah yeah or archangel but yeah, no, he, he's very, very diverse in what he's capable of doing. But this, for me, Ben Foster, I was like, yeah, just can't do it. I mean, I'm he, sorry. He, I'm no, sorry. no, 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 he, he can work a fisheye lens for sure. Like you can like get that boom right up in his face. That shot right there. They abuse. And he has great crazy eye. They, they abuse the hell out of that fisheye <laughs> lens. If they got their money out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they spent $33 million on just the set alone. <laughs> Probably. They actually built a spaceship. So a lot yeah, of people don't know that. They actually found gross mutants so, out there in the wilderness to cast. Is the gross it, well, that, that saved them money on actors, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to bounce around here, and I apologize for this, but the set, I thought, was exquisite. I thought they nailed it on this. Whoever built the set for this was great. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know they recycled a lot of shit, and you couldn't even tell. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like those those um yeah the ship intestines were a very good touch. Um the uh just just the whole ship. You, you're right because it's like it's gritty. It looks like it's just been sitting there for nine hundred years, and you know, but it's super modern at the same time but looks like you know, an entire cannibalistic society has been living in it. I don't know if that's what they were going for. But yeah, it was good. Well, Strong what else have we seen recently where the ship is a character in itself? Mm-hmm. For me, that's always a, a big thing. That's what I love about the this kind of genre, this the sci-fi horror is the 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 set itself. The ship is is the character. You get that in Alien. You get that in uh, Event Horizon. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. we'll come back to that topic. And I, I felt like this movie had that going for it the entire time. Voyagers. Yes, Voyagers. The ship was a character. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was actually I, the best character in the entire movie. Good point. Well, good point. To, to me, I mean, I think that has always been the draw of Pandorum for, for me, and that's why the movie stuck with me, because I feel like there's such a dearth of sci-fi horror that is set kind of in that, um, you know, in that atmosphere of that ship and that ship kind of really taking on that persona as this oppressor, but also the, a character in and of itself. So it's kind of interesting. It's like when I go back every five or six years and like rewatch Pandorum, typically I'm watching not because, you know, the, the acting is phenomenal or the story is phenomenal, but it's just so atmospheric. Like I love the... And I think I, I brought it up on a, a several occasions as we've covered different properties. Uh, I know Event Horizon, I definitely brought it up. I know I've brought it up, you know, when we've kind of done these like haunted house in space films, just for the simple fact that like it really does nail that from like the production design and like the set design and, and all of that stuff that that aspect of it, I, I feel like it, it does incredibly well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like. It's something where I don't want to say Pandorum killed it, but it's like you haven't really seen a lot of films that kind of delve into that almost like kind of gory 90s horror sort of schlockiness. Um, I mean, there have been horror films set in space, but um, to me, I kind of like the the creature feature aspect of it. 
Um, but it, it, it always struck me kind of as like, for all the shit we, we joke about with like Event Horizon, like at least Event Horizon had ambition. It kind of had like, it, it had ambition to be this thing that was greater, whereas Pandorum didn't really have that ambition. So, you know, it like Event Horizon, I would like to say is like a flawed masterpiece. I don't think anyone would call Pandorum a masterpiece, but I really enjoy kind of um, the the popcorn factor of kind of what it represents um, for that type of sci-fi and sci-fi horror. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. It's like it's definitely like <clears throat> it's definitely it's definitely like a, a, a horror, a horror thriller action movie set in a spaceship for sure like it's this very very interesting it's a sci-fi sci-fi concept but it's not super deep sci-fi so it doesn't make me ask any philosophical deep questions but that doesn't mean that i thought you know it was fun to watch it was fun to like i don't know it's kind of fun to watch. It wasn't it wasn't something that I like wanted to I don't think I'm going to watch it again. I don't <laughs> think I'm into like like Jason would, but like it was fun to watch once and it was cool, you know. I feel like that it wasn't a great movie and it wasn't great sci-fi. So, that's my take. So, Have a good night, guys. <laughs> right, You've been doing that a lot lately, Bill. <laughs> I know. I just been wrapping it up right at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, 10 minutes man. in. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the director, uh, Christian Elbert, or uh, you know, Travis Molloy, who wrote it as well, but um, I just want to keep coming back to Paul W.S. Anderson. This movie came out during his peak, um, you know, that, that Resident Evil period of his career, which I think that's like just all his career at this point, uh, but also the... Um, like the alien versus predator shit going on. Like this movie just fits squarely into that, but in a knockoff kind of way, if that makes any sense. It's very 2009 action or sci-fi. If that's the genre, yeah. Yeah. it's like, it, it epitomizes that Jason, I actually did see this in theaters. And, uh, I remember being very excited to see it because I was like, Oh cool. I mean, this'll be great. And I remember even really liking it. Um, like really liking it. Like when, when it was floated for the idea for the show, I'm like, oh yeah, this'll be, this'll be a good one. And I don't remember there being aliens in this movie, like, or creepy mutants. Um, so that was a little bit <laughs> that, wild to be like, oh, God, just, that's just Ben Foster. That was, that was, that was this movie is about <laughs> just Ben Foster tightening bolts for two hours. Yeah. Which I can watch. I absolutely could watch that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, I don't know. It'd be like a psychological thriller, like just mm -hmm. in his own mind. Like that'd be great. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what I wanted more from this movie was just to be the psychological thriller. Um, I I feel like once they gave the producer credit to Paul W S Anderson, he's like, hey, I made a movie kind of like this once. What if we uh add like some creatures, or what if we make like this movie like you know, less um, psychological thriller and more like monster creature feature. So and they're they like, actually, well, you directed Resident Evil, so why not? They actually had to stop him because he literally was about to have Sam Neill come in with the cod piece. And they're like, Paul, <laughs> you can't do that. Cut, Paul, no, no, he already did this movie. Not 1999. Get that Sam Neill out of here. <laughs> but what if there was some sort of mutant orgy 
<laughs> I, feel, I feel like the movie's good, but it's missing that third act mutant orgy. We've got to push the R rating. Sam, it's attached to um, Paul W.S. Anderson's <laughs> contracts. Blood Paul, orgy. Paul, you, <laughs> orgy. you get the orgy or you get Sam Neill. You got to pick right now, Paul. You ain't getting both. That was my you favorite. Paul W.S.O. Anderson. That's really what I don't ties. know what the WS stands for, but the O stands for orgy. It's really what ties like great movies together, like uh, Citizen Kane when they had the mutant orgy. Like that yeah. was that was what really kicked it off and made it a, a classic. You know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm really glad they went there. Yeah. It's a wonderful uh, life. Mutant orgy. <laughs> yep. Mutant orgy. The Godfather. Mutant fucking orgy. Mutant fucking mutant orgy. orgy. Yeah. Classic. Um, well, no. So that's funny that uh, Miller actually mentions that because I feel like that's kind of the thing. Like there are some cool and it's all done in, in a very tropey way, but there's some kind of cool sci-fi elements, um, that are in the movie. And I just feel like ultimately it tries to do too much. And that's why it kind of doesn't do anything like extremely well, apart from the, the atmosphere, I would say. And, and like we, kind of touched on like the set design and everything but like the whole idea of pandorum kind of being this like space scurvy <laughs> paranoia thing you know <laughs> like that's a, a cool concept and like the psychology behind that is just kind of cool to think about like it's a thought experiment because typically things like that when, when we you know have covered other media where there's like the idea of a generation ship or something like that which you know okay voyagers we did that recently um that's always kind of one of those topics that kind of comes into play is that, uh, you know, the psychology of the crew and how would that um, kind of prolonged exposure, what would that mean for your psyche, you know? So it does examine that, but it never really goes anywhere with it. And I think it probably would have been a lot more satisfying had they spent more time kind of developing that. But ultimately, that wasn't what the movie wanted to be. You know, that, that wasn't what it was about. Um, it's really that creature feature, and that was just kind of another element to get us there. But that being said, um, you know, there, there's a couple uh, kind of cool elements, especially at the end, like the twist. I, I actually thought it was kind of cool. I enjoyed that the first time I, I saw that. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, so, you know, here we're watching this space movie, and they're in space, but really they were never in space. The entire mm-hmm. movie you're watching it, and they're never in sp- Like, that was a cool twist. Uh, I, thought, I thought that was great. I thought yeah. that was a great twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that got me the first time. I was like, oh, that's that's fucking cool. Um, I, I was like this scene. I, I kind of think back when they, um, they're they on the bridge, I think, and they look out the window. And they're like, where are we? It's like, I don't even see any stars, you know? And like I, the whole buildup to that was super cool. Um, obviously paraphrasing because that wasn't the scene. Ben Foster's like, I don't see any stars. Where could we be? <laughs> Won the won the Coming Oscar back, for that. Got the fisheye lens zoomed not, right in. Not main character energy, Ben Foster. Bring it back. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, in terms of that, like you said, it, it is. It's all very kind of popcorn sci-fi. You know, it's it's a uh, a means to an end. It's kind of the excuse to have this setting and have these characters. You know, I think what the whole idea is that um, the people in cryo sleep or in stasis or whatever are given um and like evolutionary drug like a forced evolutionary drug so that they would uh adapt to their surroundings on this new planet um eden prime or whatever the fuck it's called when they get there but because 
you know, which is another kind of interesting conceit in my opinion that, okay, fine. Yeah. The, uh, initial folks that are kind of let out of the stasis, well, they don't know what's going on. So they adapt to the ship. So that's how they become the troglodytic, uh, descent creatures, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, it, there, like I said, there's a lot of cool elements and it's just designed so well. Like the creature designs are cool. The ship design is cool. Uh, and ultimately, that's why it scratches that itch for me. You know, it's just that that event horizon itch that I've had since I watched event horizon the first time. And I like I want more of those experiences, but I know that that doesn't come without someone losing a lot of money. <laughs> so it's kind yeah. of in, exceedingly rare for us. That, that's why I think I, I like Paul W. S. Anderson. But. Yeah, like I grab onto the uh, Event Horizons and the Pandorums of the world because it's just like they 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 allow us, and by us, by extension, me, to inhabit that world. That ultimately, if given the choice, I would want to inhabit the world of the schlocky uh, haunted house in space. I would leave our existence and go to that world and just live there because I think all the shit is really cool. But we can't because no one's going to write $30 million checks anymore to make Pandorum 2. Nope. So we have to just grab onto and worship and um, protect the Pandorum 1s of the world, much in the same way that we protect the event horizons of the world. That's my thesis. <laughs> That's your dissertation, dude. That's... uh. Yeah, I'm working on it right there. Working on it. Dissertation.com. No, that's that's so valid. I just, I feel like. (laughs) You are so valid, Jason. No, especially coming off of the pandemic, though, I I just, I worry that this style of sci-fi is a thing of the past for a while. I just, I don't think it's going to, going to be a thing. I think movies companies are so scared to take chances nowadays they're all kind of just re- mm-hmm. reverting towards the formulaic movies that they know are going to sell well but i don't think you're going to see this kind of risk taking anymore dune well notwithstanding um but you know, know not on this level i don't think you're going to see the theatrical release like this anymore but if if i had to be honest um i can think of a few examples that kind of remind me of pandorum um and unfortunately i think box office wise they shared very much the same fate but you still do see glimmers of it uh underwater yeah yeah i think i would put that was post pandemic though wasn't it no no pre- that one pre- just pre- pre- it was filmed yeah, pre- even yeah they like yeah. they like did the entire film and then released it two days two years later yeah, I yeah but, that. but i'm saying like in this day and age, I don't know if that risk is going to be taken, at least not for a while. Yeah, Right. I think a lot of this type of stuff lives on the kind of glut of streaming services that we now have or have mm-hmm. access to. Um, because the other film that I was going to highlight, and this is probably a movie that none of you guys have watched, but I'm a big horror sci-fi fan. So when I hear of a horror sci-fi movie, I usually seek it out. So um, I, I watch Shudder which I have a subscription to and a lot of horror, a lot of indie horror, a lot of exclusives that shutter funds much in the same way, like Netflix funds or they buy the rights to. And there's another God, film. I wish we were sponsored. What's up? <laughs> I really wish we were sponsored after that glowing shutter review. <laughs> Shutter's great. Yeah. Shutter sponsors. <laughs> sorry. Please. Go on. Go on. Uh, you can, sorry. you can beep it all out, whatever you got to do. But, um, 
No, there was a Russian film called Super Deep. I don't know what the actual name is in, in you know, the, the Russian release or whatever, but same thing. It's an indie film, uh, but it, you know, it has a kind of similar, like, high concept, much like Pandorum has, but, you know, um, has its issues. If that was a theatrical release, I don't think it would have made a fraction of even what Pandorum made, but uh, it kind of has that same sort of, like, sci-fi light horror kind of you know the, the sci-fi is the backdrop for the horror and for the atmosphere and that type of thing and um although yeah the film isn't going to necessarily win any awards for story or acting or anything like that i typically find that most of the creatives kind of involved at that like type of filmmaking really usually excel at the atmosphere or they ex because they have to they have to have some sort of I don't want to say gimmick, but they have to have some sort of catch, you know, like something to reel folks in because like, you know, they're working with a shoestring budget when it comes to maybe the the talent or, you know, whatever. So typically it's like some makeup effects artist or something gets in, on, in their head that they're going to direct a movie or they're going to write a screenplay or they're going to do whatever. And it, it serves as kind of a vehicle for that. So that's why I like always perceive Pandora so as kind of that as well. So you like you are seeing experiences like this, but you're not seeing them really in theaters or, or you're not going to see that gamble kind of on the big screen because it isn't. I mean, even the big screen or the big budget films we've seen, it's kind of you're rolling the dice as to whether or not they're going to be profitable in the post pandemic kind of uh, atmosphere here. Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, there are other. I want to say streaming services, but other kind of production companies that more indie flavor that actually steers more towards um, science fiction because we've we've done a few things from them now. But Dust is a um, I don't know what you call them. They're not a production company per se. I think they're more focused on distribution. But we've done things like Prospect um, with like you know Pedro Pascal, and they also did Sea Fever. Mm. <laughs> Where we had the uh, oh, what's his name? Who's that Scottish actor? Loomis O'Malley. Uh, Loomis O'Malley. That's a, a good guess. Dougree oh. Scott. Dougree Scott. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Potato O'Rourke. Yeah. Potato. All right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, oh, Scott. Yeah. And Irish. I yeah, but I mean, I think there there is uh, there's room for those types of experiences still, because it's funny. I know we always joke about it, and I I made the big like die on the hill last week of you know oh yeah well Dennis uh, Villeneuve and and Dune deserves your money, and this is like that you know highbrow shit that we really enjoy and we deserve it, and we want to have nice things and blah blah blah. But like for me, there's definitely room for this type of movie too where it isn't any of that, but it's enjoyable. And I think, you know, if they, the scope is kept manageable to where it's not like you're, you're spending a hundred million dollars on the movie and expecting $200 million out of it, that there's still room for this type of experience in, uh, in cinema. Yeah. There's a lot that could be, or in sci-fi, I should say too. There's a lot that could be better, but it's, uh, it's enjoyable. And I think it, it kind of does what it wants to, well in that regard so that's kind of my thought but yeah that's valid um 
well, shit. I don't... <laughs> Dennis Quaid nails his role, I guess. I just want to say that. Um, as much as Dennis Quaid could. It's so weird. It just felt... All of... And now that you said that they filmed it all separately, just Dennis Quaid's whole thing just felt completely separate from the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it just wasn't very good until the end. <clears throat> yeah, I swear. I swear Dennis Quaid spent three days on set for this movie. That's what I think. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they probably could have shot all his stuff in three hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dennis Quaid being a consummate professional would just hit it. <laughs> At first take, and he was like, "That's it." Yeah, yep. yeah. No, no. It was more like, "Dennis, that was a great, uh, great take." Uh, look, you want to just you want to run that one more time? And he just goes, "No, no, no I'm not uh, going no, that." No, I don't. Next shot. This is deep Dennis Quaid voice. I'm gonna carve you up. And All right, print that, it. Yep. At that point, uh, director Christian Albert was just like, "You know, what? yeah, that's a wrap, guys. That was great. Yeah, that was thank, great. Thank you, Dennis." Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you, Dennis. And uh, cinematographer uh, Wadigo von Schulzendorf. <laughs> Dennis Quaid was, uh, he was jumping from sound stages. He was doing uh, Parent Trap 3 on Soundstage B, and then he was doing his lines <laughs> no, for Pandorum on uh, Soundstage C. So he'd just go back and Parent forth. Parent Trap 3 and 3D. Yeah, Parent Trap 3, 3D. But he wore, he still had his like blood soaked jumper on from. <laughs> I told you I'm not getting back with your mother. Dad, you're no, scaring Mosh me. No, says she's okay. Stand down, Corporal. She's okay oh, with sorry. You, Honey, I don't know how to tell you this, but your guys' mother is an alien. <laughs> And Fred Foster just pops out of the woods and decapitates all of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Dad. I I thought that was a weird Dad, twist, but man. now it makes sense. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's art weird artistic choice, but you know what? They leaned into it. I, I kind of think it's pretty cool. They, he just they forgot. Committed. For, you know. Yeah, he forgot what movie he was filming. Is is what happened. He's like Bad literally. Boys. He's holding the the bag the bag of money in the scene while they're filming it. <laughs> like it's like right from the bank. It's got the like the dollar sign on dollar it. Sign <laughs> sack. Yeah. He's shouting, "Get off my plane!" Wrong one. <laughs> wrong one. That's the wrong. Yeah. Wrong. They're juiced up. They're juiced up with the space goo. They got the space juice in them. He like calls up his agent. He's like, "Hey." I got I got a couple hours between movies. What do you got for me? Preferably on the same lot. Just bounces over there. Oh, what's the that? Oh. He, what's that fucking movie he was in? It was like a early '90s, late '80s movie. What the hell was it? Captain Ron. Uh, Inner Space. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're they're doing a remake of that. <laughs> so that'll be the third movie that he does. Yeah, Inner Space. Wow, holy shit. Right? We should cover that one. I haven't done that's seen a good that one, one like, in a minute. That's like a classic. We can put it on the list. That's a classic. I feel like we're coming up to the end of our uh, yeah. our, our list. Replace here. the one I put on there. What was that Sliver or whatever? Oh shit. Let's do Inner Space and let's do uh The Abyss. I want to do The Abyss so bad. I'd love to rewatch yeah. that. Get some Ed Harris up in this. Yeah. Okay. All right, boys. Um, before we go down to the nostalgia train of Dennis Quaid movies, mm -hmm. um, 
let's fucking go on the table and you tell me if this was good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. Starting with Jason. Um, so I think it's a mediocre movie and I think it's mediocre sci-fi. I didn't um, necessarily, there, there, there would be movies where like maybe, uh, you know, I would have a thing for it and it would be like derided and I would like die on the hill of like, no, this is a good movie and it's underrated or whatever. I wouldn't do that with Pandorum. But as I said, I just wanted some other human to see it because I've, I've waited through this wilderness for over a decade now, literally being the only person I think in north america that's seen well i guess miller saw it but he certainly didn't uh ever um uh you know give up that fact i should say or say that he saw it so um now it's it's public everyone knows that we've seen it so whether we're ridiculed or you know derided or whatever um in the court of public opinion i guess uh you know we will see Uh, i'm really hoping that the second era of uh all ws anderson control on hollywood is coming soon um coming and that right soon hopefully but um yeah i'm glad you guys watched it and um i actually didn't re-watch it for this but i think i might now i think i might watch it for halloween that'll be uh that'll be like my fun little gift to myself mm-hmm. for being awesome so thank you guys you're gonna be so disappointed okay <laughs> all, <right. laughs> all the other sci-fi douche. podcasts okay. are gonna make fun of us oh man okay uh bill yeah, I'd say it's um, fun to watch, not a great movie, and I'd say it's bad sci-fi because it doesn't really check any of the boxes for me. It's in a spaceship, but then it was never in space. So you can't even say that. Doesn't that <laughs> ask... Matt, you're just asking questions right there. Yeah, so, It's basically a submarine movie. How, exactly. <laughs> how deep movie. is that? It's <laughs> Das Boot 2. I mean, it, I, guess it's, I guess it's literally deep, but, you know, like, listen, <laughs> the thing was built to be uh, in vacuum. It wasn't built to be at 20 atmospheres of pressure. I don't understand why it didn't instantly get crushed. All right, whatever. Bad sci-fi. <laughs> Isn't that a Futurama episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it is, um, upon rewatch, it was just, I wasn't blown away. Um, I was going to make a bunch of jokes about how it was like, oh, so good. It was basically, uh, Apocalypse Now in space, but then, yeah, isn't I mean, it, isn't it? no, Apocalypse Now is Pandorum on the ground. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. You sicken um, me, Miller, you traitor. <laughs> <laughs> um, have the strength no, of your convictions. I don't have those. I've never been to jail. Um, no, I mean, it, it's fun to watch and stuff. I just kind of wish that it was a different movie. Um, I don't know. The space alien thing was just like, like I said, I kind of, I, I remembered all of like the trippy, like, um, mind freaking and i remembered about halfway through oh it's like oh yeah the captain was the stowaway guy the whole time that's right um but other than that it's like yeah i mean it's a it's a fun little like spooky watch if it's uh on sci-fi so um yeah i I think the uh mediocre sci-fi rating is uh probably about right all right thank you andrew um this was a fast forward movie for me I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of scenes where I'm just like, yeah, okay. And uh, I just like fast forward 10 seconds. Yeah, okay. 
That's for another 10 seconds. I thought it was great. Um, action. I didn't really care for the whole, uh, the, the aliens, the creatures. They're, They're not aliens. Movie. They could be you or I. It's yeah, true. That, yeah. <clears throat> I, just, I, I, don't, I don't care. Like, they, just sometimes why. they just weren't spoopy for me. It, it, it was just okay. Uh, movie wasn't very good. You just didn't get it. You didn't get the message. When they make the movie, okay, they use... I don't know if you've ever heard of the Fibonacci sequence. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get it. Yeah, I, I it's fine, Colin. I'll um, explain it to you when the cast is over. Don't worry about it. Like, no, I got, yeah. no, I got um, steno notebooks filled with. Yeah, bad movie, bad sci-fi. Still glad I watched it, um, and I hope to get more of it. I just, <laughs> guys, did Pandora just not have a chance after we just watched Dune? Like, that, I think that's unfair. You know, it's completely there's, unfair. There's not a fucking chance at hell for this movie. It really was unfair, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Uh, if we had watched just like a, a ton of bad movies and then we watched this, we'd be like, man, give Ben Forrester the fucking Oscars that he deserves. I mean, if we if we really watched some trash before this, I would probably be like, guys, come on. Like, look at the trash that we watch. Like, this is okay. It is. It is. And that's what you got to keep it in perspective. And here's the thing, Colin, and you're going to feel bad about this. And Miller's going to feel bad, too, because of his uh, he was being a, a total traitor. To Paul W.S. Anderson. I saw, the, I saw a movie that doesn't oh, yes. every morning. No, every morning. So we're we're like, what probably twelve years removed from when Pandorum came out, and every morning Ben Foster wakes up, he makes some oatmeal, he kisses his his baby child <laughs> on the head, he gets coffee, uh, and then he walks out, gets the newspaper, and he waits. He waits by his mailbox for the <laughs> script offer for Pandorum 2. And he does that every morning and he's done that for 12 years. You piece of shit, Colin. And you didn't get it. And that's it. I'm done. I'm unplugging. His royalty checks are actually right. money he owes. Alright, folks. There you have it. That is Jason's take on on Pandorum. Um, I'm truth truth truly glad that we watched it uh, mm -hmm. so there is that thanks oh, fellas Jesus. uh next good movie, week good we're going to be doing uh star trek lower decks uh, i guess it'll just be me by myself because i don't think anyone gave that one the time of day which is fine it was fine or we might just call an audible and do something different i don't know we have just a so bad, bad run with television. Can we do Pandorum again? Let's do Pandorum. <laughs> so, fun fact, Pandorum 2 does exist. Uh, it was written and directed by Ben Foster. <laughs> no. Um, Who's that actor that kind of looks like Ben Foster? Ben Forrester. Who's that actor that kind of looks like Ben Foster? Claude Bowen? I don't know. <laughs> no, no. There was another guy. I'll have to figure it out and we can edit it back in Miller. But that would be hilarious. Jude Law? Jude Law, no. I thought back in the day Ryan Gosling kind of looked like Ben Foster, but now they, they kind of have their own thing going on. We got to go separate directions there, but that's not okay. All right, folks. There you have it. That is our take. So until next time. Wait, are you talking about the kid who played Malfoy? 
Sure, him. <laughs> Pandorum two, written and directed by him. This guy, this guy looks exactly like the kid who played Malfoy. If he had a written big bulbous head, Malfoy. 